Hey, y'all. Welcome back to another episode of Black Packing. This is your host, Jerrica. And on today's episode, I have a very special guest, very special to me um, on today's episode. And I would like to introduce my guest, Reem Ali. Hello, how's it going? How's it going with me or how's it going to the people that might be listening to this episode? To the people. <laughs> to the people. Um, I bet the people are doing great. <laughs> um, yeah, so um, I have Reem on today's episode. Now, that that name might sound familiar um, to some of you out there that have maybe listened to an episode or two, um, but... Reem is um, my partner, and um, we just celebrated our one-year anniversary, (laughs) (laughs) and um, yeah, it's been a great time, um, you know, dating Reem. Um, We both, like, love to travel. That's, like, one thing that, like, has brought us very close together, like, when we first met, and, like, Till now, we like travel pretty well together. I don't know. I'll I'll let her <laughs> give her <laughs> two. I'll let her give her two cents on um, if she thinks we travel well. But yeah, I um, of course sweet talked my way into asking her to be a guest on one of my podcast episodes, and I am so happy um, to interview her and for you guys to learn a little bit more about her and hear her travel experience and stories um because she's done just as much traveling as I have so I think she's a pretty um great person to bring on and she's probably traveled the most with me um so (laughs) she can kind of give you guys some insight on what it's like and if I am actually a great traveler (laughs) (laughs) um so let's um get more in to Miss Rima Lee. <laughs> um, so, Reem, where are you from? Where are you living now? What, well, what, give, give the listeners a little <laughs> bit of uh, background information on you. Um, yeah, I'm from a suburb outside of Seattle. Um, born and raised there. I went to the University of Washington and moved to like the city of Seattle and so I was living there for several years and then decided to move to Nashville, Tennessee and that is where we are now where we're recording and I am getting my master's in social work at the University of Tennessee Um, and that's kind of what brought me here. It's been a very weird COVID-y world since I've been here. Definitely an interesting place to be during the pandemic, that's for sure Um, and yeah. I mean, what else do people want to know, you know? I think that's 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 a good <laughs> amount of information that people want to know for now. They're like, okay, all right, we see how they met. Yeah. All right, we see, all right, she's from the West Coast. Somehow the stars aligned. Certainly uh, aligned. And put us together. And yeah. So where to where to begin with the travel questions because like you you've done a lot let's um let's maybe take it back to the beginning of um time of your your traveling time not time travel but traveling time well that's another story yeah Yeah. (laughs) um well i mean so my family is um north african my mother is moroccan um and my father is black american 
and my stepdad is Saudi Arabian. Um, and my dad like met my mom in Morocco. And so I feel like travel's just been kind of a part of our life. Like growing up, I spent quite a bit of time in Morocco. I don't remember a lot of it. It was like when I was quite young when my mom like needed help from her family to like raise all of us. Um, but when I first traveled like on my own, I was, I think I had just turned 15. Um, and like that wasn't a daunting, scary thing for my family when I was like, oh, I want to do this. It was more just like, do you got the money or you don't? That's kind of the only thing. My mom was not worried about like my safety or like what it was going to look like and what program and yada yada. Like they're, my parents are like just very loosey goosey about that kind of a thing just because they've been abroad. My mom's traveled quite a bit. Um, and it's just like familiar with like what that looks like. You know, lots of people at 15 are like, oh, that's the first time at the airport by themselves and like all of that stuff. But I had done some of that stuff domestically already. Um, so my friend in high school, her family, they like signed her up for a trip called, oh gosh, what is it called? Um, things called like learning international or something along those lines. Um, and she got to do a Belize trip for like five weeks in the summer and I was supposed to go with her, but I didn't have the money at the time. And so she went and like had this amazing experience at all these like really good friends from like all over. And I was like, mm, I'm going to have to do that next summer. So I ended up like in high school working like three jobs. I'm pretty sure I had a GoFundMe and like this family friend gave me like $600 towards the, I mean, it was a lot. It was like seven grand or something ridiculous. Yeah. Um, and I got like scholarships and I did like all my due diligence. And so I got to go. My mom was not really worried about it. I did. Goodness. How long was it? I want to say it was seven or eight weeks in Botswana. I had like, you know, stay with the homes family and all that stuff. Homestay and all that stuff. Um, and I feel like that really like propelled that wave and like fervor for travel. Um, and I was very fortunate to have like a really, really good experience that first time of just like loving the country, loving everyone I was with, being just like so in awe of like a different place. Um, and I feel like that's definitely stayed with me in the the things I learned on that trip yeah wow so you were 15 when you first took that trip I think it was 15 it was definitely sometime no I could drive so I must have been at least 16 yeah still that's 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 crazy um I think my first flight domestic domestically alone was to San Francisco and and like even then like my mom was like calling me <laughs> every five seconds, yes. making sure I was okay. Uh, she definitely, I don't think, would have let me travel abroad. So I have the benefit of being the middle child. Like people have done things before me. Like by the middle, by the third kid, my mom was like tired. You know, she was not calling all that time. Um, so I did have that work for me, I guess. Yeah, cool. So, um, so you're 15 in Botswana. You were there for like eight weeks. Mm-hmm. How how did you? take that experience and at like such a young age and like also how has that like differed from how you experience traveling now um, being older Mm, I think like I'm sure many travelers can agree with this but like that first time feels naive in a way Mm -hmm. and it definitely like you know, in hindsight, it felt, it was naive, you know, we like volunteered for a bit of it. We did like very nice safari things for a bit of it. We like, you know, got to like, just like kind of play a character while we were there of, you know, these like little tourists. And like, we got these two very like hipstery white dudes, like who led the trip with us. It just Mm. seems like such a picture now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And 
I think after that, especially after like learning some of the language when I was there, because they they wanted you to integrate. And I, I wish I remembered the name of this program, but they like helped create the Peace Corps. So it like also really like reaffirmed my desire to be in the Peace Corps when I was younger. Mm. So I was like, oh my gosh, like if this is their philosophy, if we get to like learn the language and like really integrate ourselves, that's really cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I feel like that kind of philosophy stayed with me of like wanting to like not be such a tourist and like really just trying to like you know be humble and like learn what you can while you're there but like also assume you're not really going to know everything by the end of however many days you get to be in a country right because like backpacking is all about like seeing as much as you can and like going and hopping around Mm -hmm. and I think like I haven't gotten a chance to do too much of that where I feel like I've been more like trying to stay in one place for as long as I can to try and get as much out of it and like yeah know as much as I can Cool, cool. Nice. Okay, so yeah, um, you mentioned the Peace Corps. That kind of like brings up like another question, you know, that I have. You like did the Peace Corps for a little bit. Um, what was that experience like? And so I guess like um, I might be answering my own question, but so this um, first program that you did when you were 15, that's like what inspired and encouraged you to get into the Peace Corps? Well, I had a middle school health teacher who I was very, um, I don't know what the right word is, but in like middle school and high school, you know, I had all the clubs. I ran all the clubs. I was very much that person. Yeah. And so one of the people who like advised one of the clubs that I, I can't, which I can't say the name out loud because it's embarrassing now, but, <laughs> but um, he, he did the Peace Corps and I remember like his classroom was very homey he had all these like african masks and like art that he had gotten from like all these different countries and i just was really attracted to someone who's like eclectic and like cool like that you know as as a middle schooler and so he was he was a peace corps volunteer back in the day so i was like really attracted to that and then because i like that that's kind of how i ended up going on this trip with um oh it's called eil that's i know that's the if you look that up experiment in international living that's the name of the oh, program i did and i love it like i want all people who are in middle school high school to do it like i think it's really a good experience but anyway um so because i was able to like meet someone who'd already been in it who i really looked up to then i had this really positive experience in botswana mm-hmm. and then in college i went to both vietnam and the peace or in um india and th- that like also kind of layered in and I was mm. like, okay, I can definitely live somewhere for a long period of time. Like, you know, who knows what country I'll end up in and it ended up fortunately being Botswana somewhere I'd already been. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so I feel like all of those kind of like combined experiences really like led to that Peace Corps decision, which obviously was a large one. Yeah, nice. Okay, so <clears throat> in between this time that you were in the Peace Corps you um, had gone to Vietnam and India and was this a part of um, the program as well or was this just kind of on a whim how did what what got you there um so when I was in undergrad and I worked or I was like part of a nonprofit called the Vietnam Health Clinic and so as a part of that we spent all year like creating a health clinic and then like recruiting doctors and optometrists and physical therapists and stuff to go out to like rural parts of Vietnam Mm -hmm. I was actually like one of three people who were not Vietnamese which I actually really liked I felt very lucky to have been chosen to be a part of this you know program Mm -hmm. um but I also felt like it was way less problematic because like everyone who came could kind of speak Vietnamese and not all of them but 
a lot of them could speak Vietnamese and that felt really cool. Um, and then after that, I worked for um, a program um, called Globe Med and we got partnered with a mental health organization in Gujarat in India. Um, and I got to be there for about three, just under three months. Um, and it was at that point that I was like, just about to graduate and I was kind of in the process of applying for the Peace Corps and then I did the Peace Corps wow yeah (laughs) it was like every summer yeah that's you got to like experience traveling at a pretty young age which I feel like not many people growing up in the states um get to do yeah I feel like I was just really lucky like my just because my family's from another country like that just made it not so like not taboo but just like not something that felt super out of reach except for financially yeah and then like I just got really like on myself about like where can I find money for it you know so like most of my travel has been paid for yeah you know and I feel like that has been the best part especially being like a black traveler is like there's there's really awesome programs everywhere but they're several grand you know and so like finding scholarships and finding opportunities where i was able to like get that help was really nice yeah like with your family being from a different country um what and you had been to morocco like as a kid what was the first time that you actually kind of remember going to morocco Mm -hmm. what age were you then i mean you know it's one of those things we have like incomplete memories of um like times like I I think like I can kind of remember like when I was five or six there and like I remember certain scenarios like I remember you know a couple like rooftop nights with like my family or like there were some like things that had like events that had happened and like I went to a wedding when I was super young but when I was a senior in high school for like kind of like a senior congrats you graduated high school trip my mom took me and two of my friends um to Morocco and like we got to do like a proper Morocco trip so we did like a whole little road trip we rented a car we went we took a ferry to Spain for the day and like got to see Gibraltar and you know some of I forget the city that you kind of uh, pop into from Tangier Morocco but in Spain so we kind of walked around there and then you know did I want to say it was like two or three weeks of just like in the car road trip Morocco which is honestly I think the best way to do Morocco I hope everyone does it that way um yeah so I feel like I guess you know senior year of high school 17 18 cool fun fun mm-hmm. okay nice and so tell us about the peace corps like how long did you do that because i guess that was like kind of your longest time period away from home mm-hmm. and, and traveling in a sense yeah um so i left oof. so i was fortunate to graduate high or college early so like when everyone was doing their senior year i was doing peace corps um, and I left, gosh, I want to say it was like June or July of 2016 and I returned July of 2017. So traditionally the Peace Corps is two years. I returned on kind of what they call like a medical leave, but it was more of like a mental health leave. Um, and so I only did it for a year. I was placed in Gobajongo, Botswana. Um, and so what kind of happens when you first get there, you do three months of like kind of intense training. It's like nine to five kind of situation, Mm -hmm. training, safety stuff, Peace Corps protocols, policy, all that. 
also lots of language training. We had like exams around the language and stuff. Um, and I stayed with the home, like homestay family who I love. I love them so much. I miss them all the time. Um, and yeah, we just like did that. And that was in Mole Polole, um, Botswana, um, for three months. And then you kind of do this thing where you like, you get assigned to your village. They make this like whole scene and you go to your village for two weeks and kind of like test it out in a way. Hmm. Um, and so you were able to like come back and ask questions and like, feel less of that like initial culture shock but I will say it did not help for the the day that they actually take all your suitcases and drop you off in an empty house like that day I'll always remember it's a very scary experience especially where I was it was really small town everyone knows they call the word that they use is Lakoa which is it's essentially like the white person or the foreigner or the whatever so like if you say like oh where does the Lakoa live like they'll just point to my house so I felt very unsafe um sometimes just because it's like so much visibility that like you know if you're in a city in you know Seattle or New York or wherever Atlanta like people don't really like you can't just say that and someone will know who you're talking about and so I feel like that was a really culture shock kind of moment of like oh wow like I really am so visible here Mm -hmm. um So yeah, they drop you off and then like you kind of just like start working. Like you get, you know, you're, they're supposed to have a contact there. They'll like come pick you up and like show you where you're going to be working and doing all that. And so I worked in what they call a health post, which is their smallest level of healthcare that they have in the country. So it's kind of just like a small clinic. Think of it like maybe like a neighborhood clinic in the U.S. Um, So like not all services they can do. Um, but they can do a lot of things, but not all of them. And they also had a pharmacy there, which was really nice. Um, to get to town, you kind of have to take like 30, 40 minute bus ride um, to, I think it's called Bobanong. And that had a little bit, like that had our big grocery store and that had the banks and all of that. So there also was a little bit like higher grade medical facility there. Um, and yeah, and then like, you know, you just kind of like live your normal life. Like I was working my nine to five it was more like eight eight to four or whatever um and you know you are kind of far from other Peace Corps volunteers they try and like spread people out but also not leave too much room where people start to feel isolated and like very alone and so I feel like I definitely experienced that I had my closest Peace Corps volunteer was about an hour and a half bus ride I think um but also like just because you're all peace work volunteers doesn't mean you're all friends so like people that i was closest with were like several hours in the bus um and you know down to the capital i had some like local botswana friends um that, that was like six hours on the bus and stuff so wow how often did you hang out with them or see them Ooh, well i was super depressed so like as much as i could <laughs> yeah like i was definitely not mentally okay like my mental health was really struggling at the time so i kind of made like every excuse to leave my village which i don't think is really like the best choice but it was it felt survival at the time i was yeah. like i just need to get out of here so I would go and take a two and a half hour bus ride to see a friend and we would like go to this hotel that had free Wi-Fi. So we would like hang out there because we had very little money. Um, And so I'd see that her probably like once every other week and then I would go down to the capital like once a month and I'd try and see a friend in a different village like once a month. So like most of my weekends I was trying to be, I was trying to spend one weekend in my village and then all the other weeks I was kind of doing some other things and like 
you know, trying to travel and people meet people. I don't know. It's just like, yeah. Um, and what what is the Peace Corps? Just if someone's listening and they are unfamiliar with it, so they have a little bit more context. Totally. So it's a government program where they have partnerships with other government agencies in other countries. Um, and they provide volunteers. It's typically a two-year program where you like integrate into a community. You work for them, and you—that's. I mean, that's kind of essentially it. But other countries. So our focus in Botswana was the HIV/AIDS um, work, but other places have different goals. So lots of other countries are more focused on like sustainable agriculture or like there's even like business tech like there are like lots of ways that Peace Corps does it now and I also heard they're doing it virtually which for this time period of our world um, which is interesting but anywho so it's supposed to be about like finding skilled Americans to go to another country and help teach or learn or whatever share knowledge Um, and they're really strict about the two-year thing so you can really you're you essentially pledge to stay for two years and so they don't really they don't easily allow people to like not do that um so for me it was like a medical thing i was seeing a therapist remotely for a long time there um and ultimately decided to leave you know and then there were other people who had other medical situations or more like assault situations where they needed to leave Uh, But they're pretty strict. Like, they want people to be there for two years because they want people to actually integrate and feel like they're a part of the community and that things, like, last in a more sustainable way. Um, And projects take a long time. You know, if anyone's in a project here, like, you know, like, getting people on board, getting things planned, meetings, all that stuff takes a long time. Um, And especially in at least Botswana, from what I know, it's, like, it's slow. Like, the pace of life is just different. Um, And even in Morocco, like, things just happen way more slowly. So, yeah, that's my little Peace Corps spiel. Nice. <clears throat> and so you still have done traveling and kind of not really like extended stays um, since then, but it like didn't totally like discourage your experience being abroad. No, definitely not. I think so. Like even in the Peace Corps, um, you know, I'm opportunistic. Like if I can find a place to go or a thing to do, I'm going to probably do it. So we went to Bushfire Music Festival in Swaziland, and that was dope. Like, one of the, like, I wanted, I really wanted to go this May. I don't think it'll happen with the pandemic, but um, one of the best music festivals I've ever been to. You have all these travelers from, like, all over coming. Um, so that was one of the best experiences I had while in the Peace Corps was just, like, getting to be with all these other people I've been become close with, meeting like South Africans who were up there and just like having a good time. Um, I also was able to go to Zimbabwe when I was in the Peace Corps um, and do Victoria Falls and like get to see one of the like natural wonders of the world, which was really cool. I did like one of those things where you jump off. It's like a free fall kind of thing. That was terrifying, but awesome. Um, I think where else did I go during Peace Corps? My girl's so brave. Y'all know that I wouldn't be out there doing anything such as that. Yeah, I was lying to myself though. I jumped off. I was fortunately tandem with my friend Kiernan. And if he wasn't attached to me and we had already strapped up, I probably would have walked away. 
And like, of course, the guy's messing with me up there. And he's like, I asked, like, are there crocodiles in the water? And he just like pushes me off. I'm like, okay, well, I don't know the answer to that still. Um, anyway, so that was Zimbabwe. And then, yeah, I got back from the Peace Corps, hit a personal life low for a while because that was a really big childhood dream that I didn't accomplish in the way that I had expected. Um, and then for my sister's 30th birthday, we went back to South Africa. I was not thinking I was going to hit that continent for a while. Um, and then we went to South Africa and like have the best time in Cape Town um, and also got really lucky. And since I'd already known some people from South Africa, it was like really nice to like call them and be like, what do we need to do? What do we need to like make sure not to do or whatever? Yeah. Nice. So, yeah. Fun, fun. Yeah. Um, what is um, next on your on your traveling list? Oh, where, so much. Where's your dream places? Oh, man. I feel like. All right. So first thing comes to mind is Turkey. Okay. I really want to go to Turkey, and I really want to go with my sisters. I feel like that would be such a fun trip. Yeah. And it's funny because I also want to go to Turkey, but I know I'm not being invited. A, I'm not invited <laughs> on this trip. Um, but maybe on. I'll meet some people and like we'll have somewhere to stay next time. You know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I really want to go to Turkey, like super bad. Um, my little brother and I were supposed to go to Dublin. Um, and Spain to visit my little sister who was studying abroad. So I still have that ticket. It, it got canceled like right when the pandemic hit back in, you know, 2020. Um, so I want to go to Dublin. I really want to go to Japan. Never been, I mean, I guess in Vietnam, I've been to East Asia, but really want to go to Japan and um, China. I also really want to go to Russia. And I'm just kind of listing everything. And South America. I've never done South America. <laughs> I'll end there. But I've never done South America, and I feel like that's something I could do alone. But I also know that my girlfriend can speak Spanish, and that would be so silly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, cool. That's um, exciting. I'm not sure if you, like, have plans um, for Japan or, like, <laughs> you're going to go solo dolo. If you, wanna, if you want an invite, I see. Uh, if you want to invite me. Because <laughs> um, Japan's, like, been high yeah. up on my list. There's been a lot of guests on the show that, like, rave about how awesome Japan is. Mm -hmm. So definitely want to check Japan out. I've also seen on, I mean, I'm, I love TikTok, okay, but I've seen a lot of black Americans who have moved to Japan um, on TikTok, and I feel like that would also be a fun community to tap into if we're ever, we ever do make our way there, because I feel like that would be so interesting to hear about their experiences, too. Yeah, definitely. Um, and on the note of kind of traveling with me, <laughs> how's that been for you so far? so far so good well i will say because i don't think we spoke about it earlier but on her our her hinge profile where we you know virtually locked eyes and and met um she had like that she had a black packing podcast and i was just like mm, that's perfect that's i love it because i haven't met that many black travelers you know and especially ones who are just like you know, just like doing the thing and doing it however it fits for them and cheap or not cheap or like just all variations of travel. So I was really intrigued about that part. But anyway, traveling with you has been good. I think that we have a, a fairly like complimentary style of travel. Um, you're definitely more go with the flow, see what's there, yada yada. I'm definitely like, I want to know as much as I can and I want to plan some of it to an extent that I can, you know, not everything can be planned. And like, you know, when you're in other countries and people who've traveled, like you'll know this, like 
sometimes you just go somewhere and then you end up somewhere else and it's kind of fun and you work with it and then you meet someone who takes you somewhere else and you're like okay this is where i am now (laughs) and yeah you maybe had tickets to the museum but it doesn't matter anymore so i feel like i'm open to experiences like that but i also don't like the idea of being somewhere and not knowing like you know it's like morocco you don't want to go during ramadan you don't you don't want to do that you want to know enough to like make good decisions and like make the most out of it like going down to you know new orleans around carnival or whatever or mardi gras and like not taking that opportunity would be wild Mm -hmm. so like i just want to know enough to make good plans and be like oh i'm making the most out of whatever in this country you know whatever festival or holiday or something like that so i feel like we both we can compliment each other in that way yeah definitely um and we had a really good road trip together that was fairly early on that was like what six seven months in yeah something like that and I feel like that re- went really well. Yeah. Um, I think both of us being people who like like to be outside and being camping, hiking kind of folks was really nice. And yeah, we're that type of lesbian couple. Yeah, we're definitely <laughs> that type. Um, and I feel like both of us don't mind like you know like the th- three or four day kind of dirt and grit that happens on trips and things like that. You know. Yeah. Yeah, which is surprising because you are a very clean person. Um. And I'm definitely not that clean, but I don't mind it. And it was it was nice, you know. And, you know, I, I planned all of our lunches and our wraps and made sure we had all the food and no, not too much of anything, but yeah. just the right amount and had that planned. I feel like that one saved us money and two, like conversation or just like wasting time thinking about food when we could just be like thinking about how to make the most out of Yellowstone and the Grand Tetons and all that. Yeah, that was, I mean, perfect. Like... The food that you made and the amount of food that we had was, like, perfect for our trip. It really worked out, yeah. I, like, it was so nice. I, like... With our $5, you know, Value Village cooler. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, It was was nice because, like I said, like, you're kind of, like, the first person that I've ever really traveled with like that. And Mm -hmm. so it's been... um, you know my whole thing is like solo travel yeah (laughs) and like I'm still like about solo travel but I'm like also like well I don't mind like traveling with you or like somebody else maybe it's not as bad but I think you're like one of the few people that Mm -hmm. I think I can like travel with with. yeah well like there are you know because I've done lots of group trips I know all the variations of travelers you know (laughs) like I and especially like my siblings are quite different when it comes to some of these things so I feel like I have maybe low expectations for how traveling should go with people because I'm just like, okay, people are going to kind of want to do whatever they want to do and, like, they're not going to budge, so I'm just down for the ride. Yeah. Um, But I feel like with us, it kind of just worked out. I felt like I was just, like, kind of living what I would like to do, Mm -hmm. which is nice, versus, like, other times I've traveled, it's like, okay, I know this person is going to want to do this. Right, right. So I'm just going to be okay with it. Yeah. Um, And for us, I feel like we kind of had a good balance of both. Yeah, totally. Um, I agree. Yeah. yeah, I definitely, um, if there are any couples out there, I'd love to, I've always wanted to interview a couple uh, yeah. as well to see like what it's like traveling or like even couples that have like um, moved abroad or just um, mm-hmm. are like, you know, kind of living abroad for an extended period of time. Um, I'm, I'm just like, what is, yeah. you know, what is that like? Because <laughs> there are so many challenges, like there's late flights, there's missed Ubers, there's like getting your money, you know, turned over or whatever Mm -hmm. like there are lots of things that can cause people stress and I feel like it's such a good test of like a relationship of like being able to just like play on each other's strengths 
just not be bothered by certain things if because if you're at home maybe you would say something but right now it's like you know you got to get on the train or you got to do this next thing and so I feel like it's a good way of like decision making and like learning how to prioritize yeah totally and I've been watching a little bit of Amazing Race recently (laughs) and so it's like that same kind of couple dynamic is on the show and obviously there's like different variations of it it's like partners or ex-partners brothers sisters parents and like i love that and um yeah it's very interesting how people travel and kind of make those decisions together Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because sometimes people are like really opinionated and i feel like i've been around some people who are super opinionated with travel and i'm just not that yeah no you're very easy to travel with i'm like very happy i met you and (laughs) and like you you know definitely make my traveling experience like easier and like i'm Mm. I'm, i don't get like annoyed that i'm like with you yeah so that's that's like a big one i think one thing too which we haven't experienced yet together but i have with other people is like um like food you know, mm-hmm. like I, I'm a vegan, so that's never, that's not always the easiest thing, you know, but I think sometimes people are really picky or really, you know, just like not willing to try sure. or oh, yeah. whatever. And it's like, I would even break my veganism to try something in like a very specific setting. She would. Okay. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> that, that part's staying in too. I'm not even <laughs> taking that part out. I mean, she's like, Jared, will you cut that? I'm like, no. No. <laughs> but, but you know what I mean? Like some no. people just really aren't willing to try things. And I just am. Like, I just feel like you never know what's going to happen tomorrow. Why not just try this right now? Yeah, why not? It could be really good or it could be really bad. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Which brings uh, me to my cobra fur. <laughs> 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 oh, I don't. I I don't like the cobra fur story. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Gross. I you know y'all know I don't like snakes. The last thing I want to hear about is mm-hmm. her. Eating. That's how broke I was though. Yeah. I had to eat the cobra fur. <laughs> <laughs> and, and how respectful she is. Oh yes, also that. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah, you like traveling with me, uh, mm-hmm. Reem and I um took a trip recently together um it was started in charleston yeah started in charleston we kind of had to cancel our kwanzaa plans last minute and i had the week off work and i was like i need i needed to do something like i was itching um to just like be somewhere different and so i was like where have i never been surprisingly uh in my 30 years of life i have never (laughs) been to charleston south carolina but once i got down there i do i was kind of like okay i i do like charleston but i i get why i've never actually been in charleston you know (laughs) (laughs) i loved it yeah great yeah Mm -hmm. and like rooms from the west coast and so i'm just like so kind of curious what your opinion has been of like the south and Mm -hmm. then um just like you know tell you guys like exactly what we did we went to charleston and we were there for a couple days and kind of wanted to just like keep staying at the beach and i um wanted to show her savannah because that's like one of my favorite um cities and one of my favorite places like at the beach like in the south like savannah is just gorgeous. Um, yeah it's just gorgeous has like such cool and not so cool history mm-hmm. um but yeah so then we went to savannah and then we ended at one of the best beaches that America has to offer, Myrtle Beach. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, um, I kind of got to take her to, like, you know, like three 
very distinctly different southern beaches um so what was that experience like like for you let's start with charleston okay let me think charleston charleston um so yeah i mean i feel like i moved to the south so that i could address some of my biases about the south mm-hmm. you know like i moved here because i love music and yada, yada, whatever we can go down that whole thing but i also feel like i just don't know at all what it's like and if you talk to people in the west coast they're just very like oh the south you know mm-hmm. so i was just like curious about it so i came with an open mind charleston gorgeous architecture just a really like interesting cute like very well i went to new orleans earlier this year so it reminded me of like almost like the, there's an energy similar to new orleans where it's like you know they got the open air market and they've got like all this stuff happening and they got the carriages and the horses and mm-hmm. whatever yeah so that was like really nice and like felt kind of familiar in a way since i'd already been to one city like that mm-hmm. um and but then there was like still a kind of a spooky element to it because there's a lot of history in charleston and we went to the slave march museum there which was also really you know like growing up in the west coast we don't have any of these you know civil war things or anything like that and so i was really interested in the slave mart museum because it is where they used to sell slaves like it's the same building like and that's really wild to me so i think it took me a second to be like oh wow like no this is real like this was also not that long ago Mm -hmm. and you know listening to like the the guy that was in that like information little section at that museum was also interesting like his family he can trace back to charleston over 300 years ago and like that feels different than like traveling in other places where Mm. my like ancestors don't necessarily have a history Mm um yeah so that i think that was kind of an interesting part of charleston i'm really glad we did that museum um and i was also really kind of happy to not see so much confederacy stuff like maybe i just wasn't paying attention to it because i feel like i'm also not very privy to some of that like history um but, you know, like, we went to all those, like, souvenir shops. And I I thought we were going to see a lot of, like, Confederate flags and, like, Confederate t-shirts and, like, da 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 But I was really happy that we didn't see that. And I think it makes it easier for black people to travel there because it wasn't as in our face. There are, you know, I'm, I'm certain there are, like, Confederate statues and stuff still mm-hmm. down there. But it is almost different than when you see it in a different town you know, like we were in Nashville and we saw a Confederate statue just south of um, Nashville. And it just is different because like it wasn't a battleground. It wasn't anything to do with the Civil War. But in Charleston, it seems like Confederate statues have a different, there's just a different energy to them. So I don't know what that's about. But Yeah, interesting. That's an interesting point. And um, it, it's interesting that you brought up New Orleans too because there is that like similarity and mm-hmm. there is still... Um, like you're still in the south too yeah. which you know so um, much history yeah and there's so much history yeah i guess it feels like new orleans feels like where black culture really got to like thrive and like it's such a it feels like the product of like allowing blackness to thrive whereas yeah. charleston feels like blackness got muffled yeah you know, like you still have your, you know, what are they called? The painted ladies, the very colonial houses. And like people are spending like freaking like $12 million on these houses, you know? And it's like, why would you want to live there? Like that person owns slaves, like a hundred percent. There was like, you know, quarters in their basement that were for slaves and stuff. So 
it just feels different and i think i feel like that's part of it is like it's like really i don't know just black culture was just not allowed yeah you know and then um what did we do next savannah and then we did savannah thoughts on savannah love savannah loved savannah i i'm curious how black people who live in savannah experience savannah i'll say that same i'm very curious as well um, but then i think about Rashama bailey yes <laughs> she's the one who has the gray mm-hmm. so then i think about her she owns a restaurant in savannah called the gray if it's, you ever listen to this podcast Marshama, please just yeah, contact just, me yeah we will be open to whatever <laughs> whatever well, literally anything. <laughs> um, but so then i think about her and i think okay she's someone who like wanted to stay in savannah and like make it whatever so i'm like okay that that means maybe black people do enjoy living in savannah and we we talked to that one guy randomly on the street yeah and he was like i love it yeah and so i don't know it just seems like a very dynamic place it is obviously super touristy in some parts of it. But when we took our walk and we went to Forsyth Park and whatever, I felt like, okay, like I could see myself living here um, if I was uh, richer. Yeah, I could, <laughs> If I was I could, making more money. Yeah, I could definitely see myself Not living stupid. in Savannah. Mm-hmm. It, it definitely, um, Savannah, I feel like kind of meets in the middle with um, New Orleans and Charleston mm-hmm. with like that similar type of architecture and then like leaning towards like this artsy scene that you s- that you get like in New Orleans as well um, yeah and then still like this like dark kind of spooky history that is like maybe more prominent in mm-hmm. um, Charleston I feel like you get that in Savannah but yeah I feel like that's what lets like art thrive there though especially within like the black community is like there is a spooky nature to things and Mm -hmm. there is like a lot of history and lots of people like don't leave their hometowns too so it's like yeah and I'd be curious about like generations of artists who've lived there yeah and yeah I've heard that people have had some a lot of ghost experiences Mm -hmm. in in Savannah so yeah it's kind of wild it is wild um what we do so then after that, we hit up Myrtle Beach. Myrtle Beach, the best place of all. <laughs> the best place of all. I loved Myrtle Beach. To me, Myrtle Beach feels like America. Myrtle it's, Beach is America. Myrtle like, Beach, yeah, it is straight America. up. America. Like, it is high rises and cheap motels. But also, you know, Ferris wheels and cotton candy, but also like... I don't know, just like a mix of bougie and not bougie and like it feels like much more accessible than like Charleston and Savannah did. You know, Savannah's got like the galleries and the fine arts and yada yada and Charleston has like the painted ladies, like these million dollars. Char- Myrtle Beach, I, at least I didn't see any of that. I saw some nice condos. Yeah, yeah, you might, sure. you might have like nice condos, but you that's know? about it. But it was at least a really nice experience for me because I, my family did not go on vacations growing up. We were not that kind of family. We went to Morocco because, like, that's where my other family was. We're visiting. But not, like, vacations. Like, my mom was not, like, let's go here and explore together, you know. <laughs> so, for me, it was, like, really just, like, nice and speaking to my inner child of, like, oh, wow, like, families actually do go on trips together. And there are, like, family vacations. And, like, it was really, like, nice and sweet to see all the families doing the thing, getting the last bit of, like, sun before it becomes winter in and stuff. And... I guess it is January already, but yeah, yeah. it was still nice there. Yeah, um, I think one thing that you said to me, mm-hmm. which I might have like always like taken it 
for granted when it comes to a place like Myrtle Beach was like you're like I've never seen like black people like just vacation like this yeah no because I feel like yeah I mean I just have an interesting like family where it's like some parts of my family like I'm sure they took their kids on vacation but like my family did not and I grew up in Washington where you know, I think Seattle has like 8% of the population is black. So it's like very small versus Nashville. I think we looked it up. It was like 28%. Atlanta's like 34 or something like that. So it's just like, I've just not one been around that many black people in general. And then let alone <laughs> seeing them like vacation and like with their kids and with their family. And like, you know, I follow travel, all those tra- black travelers and obviously you. And, you know, I know that like young millennials are doing it and like Gen Zers are going out. But like, I don't see that many like family. I didn't see that many families in my experience so far in life. Mm-hmm. Just like go to the beach and like go camping and like do all that. Like all of those experiences I had growing up were with my richer white friends like I did grow up camping but not with my family and I did go grow up going on trips but not with my family very often um and part of that is financial but also just like it just wasn't a part of our culture yeah you know so it was really nice to see like all of that in Myrtle Beach and like I think the other thing I liked about Myrtle Beach is that it seemed like accessible like you could go get a swimsuit for nine dollars at like the little beach shop and not when you go on a trip on like you know Mexico or wherever it's like 30 50 uh, it's like 80. way more you know even like at like a gym to like buy a swimsuit if you or goggles if you forgot stuff like it's expensive so like it was nice to have myrtle beach be like just much more reasonable and like you know like they had nice restaurants and hotels and then they also had like your chilies and your whatever so like people weren't having to like alter their plans if they couldn't afford everything so yeah it's just myrtle beach really myrtle the, beach like i would the, get a condo there like, the I beach of america <laughs> <laughs> it was, i mean it was also interesting to see like you know black families and also see like people who i you know who white families that i would just i'm not used to growing up around that you would stay clear of <laughs> yeah just i wasn't sure what i'm allowed to say You're allowed but to say that i would stay want. clear of because you know i grew up in like washington the very liberal suburbs and whatever and even that it, to me is like fake but it feels safer like the external experience feels safer and then myrtle beach I'm like, I am not getting... Someone took my parking spot. I was like, I am not getting in a fight with nobody. <laughs> nobody. Here. Yeah. And it's crazy because... People been drinking all day. <laughs> yeah. I told her about this time like a few years ago um, when I was with my friends at the at Myrtle Beach and these two guys were playing Frisbee and uh, one of the guys like threw the Frisbee and the other guy had to run and catch it and he had to catch it kind of near our group. And when he caught it and, and turned around, I noticed that it said white power notice it was screaming at you um yes it was screaming at me in like extremely bold um font it said white power tattooed across his chest and my my jaw dropped but that's like (laughs) the weird kind of dichotomy that you find at myrtle beach it is like like it's like almost a harmonious though yeah it's it is um and myrtle beach has like made it work for a while (laughs) for a long time yeah so Mm -hmm. we brought in new year's at myrtle beach we met my dad down there it was perfect i'm actually thinking i feel like i need to get my dad on one of these episodes definitely get your dad that would be a great way to keep those stories yeah because i think that i think he and like my mom too are definitely like where i get like the traveling aspect Mm -hmm. um i think more so the solo traveling aspect from my dad because he's like Oh, I can go anywhere 
and do anything like by myself you know yeah you have to wait for people yeah that's a hard part of it yeah well even just when we want realized we were gonna like not go to la for kwanzaa like it was so hard to recruit any of our friends i don't have that many to be fair but (laughs) to recruit our friends and like nobody wanted to like do anything except for jerica's dad yeah you know so it's like okay cool yeah it was perfect Love, Mm -hmm. love that man um but yeah so that was our trip that this is reem everyone (laughs) um uh yeah thanks for doing an episode with me reem i appreciate it i know (laughs) this is love right here because (laughs) not everyone that i bring on the show really wants to be on the show (laughs) um so i appreciate you coming on and um telling us uh about your traveling history i was really excited to bring you on because i was thinking i was gonna get a little bit of background as well too and this is gonna be a good time to like learn more about you and kind of um how you think about travel and you know yeah yeah how you kind of like view the world and like discovering new places and of course asking you how you travel with me so (laughs) it all comes back yes (laughs) um but yeah, I appreciate you coming on the show. I love you very much. I love, um, I love all my listeners. Um, oh, I forgot to say the big news. What's I the big finally news? hit 10,000 oh. downloads. <laughs> and it's to you guys, and I appreciate that. Yes, thank um, you. Keep sharing. Yeah. I um, That was like definitely i, I kind of it was like one of those things where i was like oh my god i hit 10k downloads i could i don't need to make any more episodes like that's like an accomplishment enough that i got um that many people to or that many listens on my on my podcast yeah. then we went to charleston and then things kept going yeah and so <laughs> yeah um yeah things just like got better i'm just like okay so i'm gonna keep putting out episodes if y'all keep listening i'll keep recording okay (laughs) (laughs) um but yes thank y'all again um and reem you know isn't like um you know my typical guest that's a travel influencer so you don't need to find her on social media please follow her please don't (laughs) (laughs) you don't need to follow her she doesn't have a website or anything um but yeah um until the next time uh i'm out bye thanks so much for having me love